Southern Vanguard Radio. This is DJ John Doe, and to the left of me is my man. Shout it, M E E K S. Oh man, shout it, Meeks. Oh lord. <laughs> Wow. I'm what a weird to, day, I'm man. I'm going to adopt that moniker, man. Uh, what are you looking around for right now? I'm Who just, are you looking for? Man, I'm just <laughs> I'm just uh I'm just happy to be here, You're man. just happy to be here yeah, and happy to be man. alive. I'm looking at yep. the green walls. No doubt. That lets me know that I'm alive and well. Absolutely. What's up with you, homie? Uh well, you know what? This is a little uh I guess different than the norm for us. We're recording on a Wednesday evening, which is which is uh which is great. I'm actually really thankful. Uh, we weren't able to record the interview session last Sunday, mm-hmm. and we managed to make it happen for this week. So we good, man. You know, still dropping twice a week, twice like, we, a week, like we always do. So twice a week. Um. So yeah. So I, I'm happy for that Wednesday. My uh, cadence and schedule's a little bit different than it is normally. Okay. Uh, when I'm in town, if I'm not on the road for work. Oh, whoops! I didn't turn that off. That's all right. All right. Uh. So um. Yeah, so I had church dinner tonight. Okay, you know, kids did their youth group thing. All right, and uh, and now we're here. Cool. How cool. about you, man? You good? Yeah, I didn't handle volleyball practice today. Um, um, just went to the jail, did my thing, went and picked my girls up, went to the house, kicked it with them for a little while, and now I'm here. All it right, kind of feels like a Sunday because we got tecates and bourbon on we deck. Do. It, so. on, it is on deck. Yeah, so we. <laughs> We're good, man. Once again, happy to be here, man. Yeah, man. Absolutely. All right. So for those of you that are listening for the first time, because you're a fan of the person that we have on the phone tonight, uh, this is Southern Vanguard Radio. We drop twice a week. So Tuesdays Mm -hmm. is a mixed show with all the latest and greatest hip hop, cut up, sliced up, spliced up. Uh, Meeks and I popping shit, acting crazy, doing whatever, just having fun. And then on Thursdays, we have an interview session. So it could be an MC or a producer or a DJ behind the scenes person, whatever it may be. So if this mm-hmm. is your first time listening, we're glad you're listening. Please make sure you go to SoundCloud, iTunes podcast, MixCloud, Stitcher radio, and subscribe, follow, like, reshare, repost, you know, all, all that all good that. shit. Yep. Yeah. So, so please make sure you do that. Uh, there are a number of affiliates that also, uh, I guess, um, redistribute this content, yes. if you will. Right, yes. Meeks? Yes. Uh, ATLHipHop.com. Uh, Return of the Boom Bap Radio, WRBB, right here in Atlanta. Soul Public Radio on the West Coast. And I Am Classic Raw Radio.net. You got it. I Am Classic Hip Hop right here in Atlanta. So we are covering a lot of bases these days. That is the goal. And and peace to our sponsors real quick. Beat Lab USA here in Little Five Points. Yep. Uh, Records, Beat Machines, Spray paint, aerosol cans, all that good shit. Go yep. see Mega there. Yep. Lavish Stoner. Yes. And uh, Tucker and Bloom. Go Tucker buy and Bloom. They are bad right. people. Yes. All right. So now on on to more important things. Absolutely. Let's get down to business. Yeah. This is a good one. This is gonna be. This is one. gonna be a really good one. Yeah. I'm really excited about this. I want to say peace real quick to my man Sav. Sav, what up? We've actually uh, from from New Print Media. We have actually. Uh, as of tonight, after this interview is completed, we have um, we've 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 taken care of his entire roster. A trifecta, I we, a trifecta, <laughs> the triumvirate. 
Did I say that right? Yep. Okay. Good. I'll take it. All right. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, uh, Sav uh, uh, runs New Print Media, kind of a management brand consultant type agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, we had on Supa already, the homie Superstition. We yep. had one below on. And one now, below. the one and only Eternia. Eternia. Eternia, how are you? What up? This whole time, I have had the hardest time from, like, not cracking up and making noise on here because you guys have me super grinning over here. I'm, like, That's trying good. to hold it in. That's good. You should let some the of that out, is man. contagious. But I didn't want to leak out a laugh just in case, you know, there was, like, a... You know, grand introduction or something. I didn't nah. want to laugh. People be like, "Who's that laughing?" Nah, nah. We was we was eventually <laughs> gonna get to that anyway. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. That's you guys up. totally woke me up. Good, good. All right, good. perfect, That's perfect, up. perfect, perfect. All right. All right. So, attorney, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, but but first off, I guess what we're personally excited about uh, the most around here is you have a new joint that dropped uh, a couple of weeks ago, produced by Apathy. So why don't we just mm-hmm. can we can we just level set there because I, I think and mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong here, but this is technically your first record in five or six years. I know you've made some guest appearances over the past few years, like the Apollo Brown record that came out recently, but this is kind of your first uh, quote unquote official record that's been out in a while, right? I mean, uh, it depends. It depends on how you view it. I, okay. I've dropped a few singles since At Last, which was 2010. Okay. Um, and some of them have been like just kind of thrown out there. Some of them have been on other people's projects, but they've still been solo joints. Like we did, um, well, the final offering, which was a tribute that Kendrick Lamar joint. We did Scraps, which was um, just an Eternia joint. Okay. We did um, Day and Night with Moss. That was on his record. We did a music video for that one. The Apollo joint. That's and right. And this one. I'm probably missing something, but okay. yeah, th- those have all been pretty much solo joints. Gotcha. Okay. okay. So, but so they've just been singles. Yeah, yeah. So, so what? No album or anything. Right. No album. Okay. So, so, so we played the uh, we played the, the the new joint on the show. What makes two weeks ago? Yeah, something I think like so. that. Yeah. So what what can you uh what can you tell the listeners about it? I mean, what's um what's the story with the with, with the new record? Uh well, um <laughs> App and I had a couple tracks in the vault. Um okay. I'll be honest with you, they've been in the vault for a while and okay. um I just was you know hanging out one day on a Saturday and I just kind of randomly texted him and like, yo, like you ever just think about just like throwing one out there just seeing what happens? All and the he's time. like, yeah, sure, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so then he's just like, uh, make sure the artwork's dope. So you don't even know. You don't even. I, actually, I'll tell you. I, I I went into my old 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 photo albums and pulled out um, a photo booth photo from 1994 or 95, and took a photo of the photo with my phone. And ah. then uh, just threw the, the text on and then sent it back to him like 10 minutes later. Like, what you think? And he's like, dope. <laughs> and then the rest is history. Just like, nice. Man, it's so easy. <laughs> nice. It's so easy these yeah, days. <laughs> it was like, it's funny, too, because like sometimes the less you think about something, the mm-hmm. better it is. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Simplicity that, that, has its place. That, that's actually why we're here right now. I, I decided about 18 months ago, because I did college radio for about six, seven years, attorney, back in the late 90s uh, and early 2000s. Okay. And, um, you know, Meeks and I have uh, have known each other for quite some time. And um, I guess to- or towards the end of 2014, I was like, you know what? 
Like, I just want to get back to having some fun. Let's just, I'm just going to do a mix show once a week, and I'm going to start on the first Sunday in January. And lo, lo and behold, 18 months later, here we are, and we we expanded to interviews about three or uh, about uh, two or three months into starting the podcast, mm-hmm. and we're just having fun. And we we did say kind of the same thing. We didn't overthink it. We just did it, right. and you know, still made sure it was dope and the yeah. quality was there. Yeah. But right, you know, just didn't overthink it. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes it's nice. Like I, I am sitting on a lot of stuff that I haven't released, and and I'll be honest with you. Like the reason why I haven't dropped an album since that last is because the process of overthinking everything. I guess the process from point A to point B um, is what kind of turns me off I of doing you. music. It's not yeah, that. Right. Yeah, it's not the doing music part. It's I love being on stage. I love recording. Mm-hmm. Um, all that, but it's just that. All the other stuff, the stuff that artists generally don't like to deal with. Right. All right. that stuff, stuff that makes me not even want to think about putting out a record. So when right. it's as easy as, yo, what you think? All right, cool, boom, upload, <laughs> out. Like, I'm like, you know, I can deal with that. Yeah. That I can do. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> and, and are you still able to, you know, make moves? Like, is this your your primary source of income? I don't want to get too deep off into your business, but is this, like, really your your thing right now are you able to still make moves just releasing a single here and there no absolutely not um it was a choice for me to transition out of music as a full-time career that pays my bills okay and for the longest time it was my only job and it did pay the bills although my overhead was low and i lived humbly Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. it did pay the bills and then uh, i made some choices that were based on just changing, I guess you could say, priorities or values in my life. Okay. Um, right around the time I hit 30, you know, these things happen. I'm sure you can imagine. It's like, all right, you know, do I want to be a starving artist in my 30s? Right, <laughs> right, right. Can I start a family with this? Can mm. I, you know, you start to think about different things. And, yeah, um, it gets real. And, yeah, man. So I made a choice um, to transition out of doing that as a career, but... I always say that when the spirit moves me and for the pure joy and fulfillment of it, I do it. It's just not, I'm not driven by the same motives. I'm not like, yo, I need to be out there touring and selling merch right now or, right. you know, yeah. Okay. That's creating nice. some sort of personality for myself on the internet with like duck faces. I'm not right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Cool. So attorney, what's, how far back does your relationship with apathy go? I mean, I, I know a little bit about it, but <laughs> What do you know? <laughs> well, no, I mean, just just from like a demigod's perspective, I mean, if you, you know, I mean, I, I, you tour with them maybe a little bit. Um, I, uh, man, things me and like Ab that. Met I mean, each other on Microsoft Internet Relay Chat in like nineteen ninety five, ninety six. M I R C. There we go. M I R C. Back when nobody was on the internet except for geniuses. <laughs> that's, <laughs> and, uh, that's what I like to say, anyways, because like we were on there right when the World Wide Web started. Right. Way before AOL, all right? Um, right. But, uh, yeah, that's when we met. We met online. I was in Canada. He was in the States. And um, pretty much a year after we met. And there's a lot of people, actually, that I met on MIRC that are in the music industry. Mm-hmm. Um, like who? Doing their thing. Like, uh, yeah, that were on early in the game. Um, like anyways, who? Yeah. What's that? Like who? <laughs> um, well, my girl, she, she runs a management company. She was my manager for a bit. She goes by pocket size pimp. She's on there. She worked, um, a chameleon air record. She worked, um, what was it? A whole bunch of records. Um, okay. 
Just Blaze was on there. Mm. Uh, App was on there. There was a bunch of people on there from all over the world that are doing their thing. But anyways, yeah, okay. um, I met App on my SF Internet Relay Chat, moved to Connecticut a year later, joined Demigods. Um, we were kind of like a teenage crush relationship too i could say that oh okay we were young and yeah man and uh, that, that's um, not that's not where i was going the- <laughs> that, that's not where i was <laughs> going up? that that's not where i was going that wasn't my intent i, I just i, I well, just that's all right that's okay. all right i don't all right. think it's a secret really <laughs> okay cool i don't think it's a secret i okay. mean when, you, when you're like 16 years old i mean it's nothing to be ashamed of yeah, so, yeah, yeah. um yes yeah, learned a lot about the game learned a lot about uh rapping specifically i always say i moved to connecticut sounding like salt and pepper and i left sounding like feral Monch. you know what i mean <laughs> wow. it, was, it, was, it was a really good boot camp um, Hell yeah and uh yeah the rest is history and, and lifelong friendships Nice. All right. So, so how, so how old are the joints that you have in the stash? Like, for instance, like mm-hmm. the the one that you put out. Like, how, how long has that been done? A while. Like, uh, I'm not gonna tell you that. A while. I, well, well, a the, while. Uh, not 90s, not 90s, but a while. It's right. t- it's timeless. It is timeless. Timeless. Yeah. <laughs> no, it it is timeless. I mean, I I would have I would have never known. Hell I mean, it, yeah. it, it it fit right in at least to you know at least what we're playing around these parts. Definitely. So, definitely. Um, I didn't, I didn't know if it was Adam like... and I were working on a, an album a couple of years ago. We were oh, working okay. on an album, and we, were, um, we have enough songs to have a small album or, or an EP um, nice. that we've been kind of... We held on to for a really long time because we honestly just wanted it to be the perfect situation to put them out, and I think that perfect situation just never arose. Mm. And so, um, and so, yeah, that's what made me just think of hitting him up and being like, yo, why don't we just leak this joint? All right. That's what's up. So yeah. EP will be out shortly then, right? I mean, you got you to interview app and ask him that. <laughs> All right, you make the have, intro and we'll do that. We got to make a note of that. Right. Yeah, that that right. needs to interview happen for real. Like, Turn wants to know when's the EP coming out now. <laughs> we'll handle your light work, no problem. Right, right, right. Got you, got you. So, so um, with um, with this not being your your main hustle anymore. I'm, I must say that I'm a bit disappointed because one of the questions I was going to ask you was, what are your plans to not Drake off as the top artist coming out of Canada? I was really hoping that that you, no, I was really hoping that you had plans on this Canadian takeover. But I, I can't expect that. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't want to disappoint you. I don't want to disappoint I'm, I'm you. I'm already there. Um, <laughs> I know. And I, and I, I, I know. I'll get over it. Even when I was 110% <laughs> uh, going strong in the game, I, I didn't have a competitive bone. I didn't. I know that there's some songs that I have that sound like I'm competitive, but yeah. it's never been a driving force for me. Okay. I know it's a, it's a, it's a good question, but and hip-hop has always been competitive, and I think that's always been kind of like the – to be honest with you, like more of the masculine side of it, but um, For sure. I never naturally had a competitive bone in my body. I always thought that like what I do, nobody can do like I do because I'm me, okay. but other people can do what they do better than I can do what they do. You know what I mean? Like yeah, we can yeah. always do the best of what we do personally. And so the most important thing is to know yourself um, and, and not mimic or, or try to like, you know, just jump on some bandwagon of what's hot, but to actually know yourself and talk about things that only knew, only you know best. You know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. So, attorney, you you come from a a, a family that was um, j- j- heavy into music, or like how'd you kind of get the get the bug and you know kind of get into rhyming? 
Oh, man. Um, that's a funny... I, I always tell this story differently. It's like, hmm, but it's all true, right? It's like different angles of the same story. Uh, my father was a nightclub owner, and respectfully, he was kind of like a wannabe musician. He, would, he had a studio, and he would hire musicians to make music. They were all like, you know, a lot better than him. Okay. And then my mother, she played the piano, classical piano, and she had us singing in church. Like she led the church, um, I guess you could say music team for a while. I went to this Baptist church. And, okay. And so, um, yeah, and she had us in lessons a lot. Like we were taking guitar lessons and piano lessons and singing lessons. This is all before the age of 10. Um, so, so that was coming up. And then, and then my brother just was kind of the one that brought home hip hop in the form of, he wasn't buying vinyl. He was a kid, but um, in the '80s, but he was bringing home cassettes and mm. and um, the popular stuff at the time, which is what kids in Canada could get their hands on. Which, you know, he just brought home Public Enemy and Two Live Crew and, yeah. and stuff like that. Just like LL Cool J, real popular from DMC, real popular stuff at the time. You know, yeah, yeah. And um, and and yeah, he introduced hip hop to me when I was a kid, probably around seven or eight years old. And I remember my father used to like bump anything new in the whip. Like he just liked new stuff. So he used to like bump two live crew at the top volume when I'm like <laughs> under the age of 10. And I remember nice. being like, this probably isn't appropriate shrug. Like, and I started rapping without knowing what it meant. Like meaning I, I didn't think about the political or racial or like not like even the fact that I'm from Canada. I didn't think about any of that. I was a little kid just being like, Oh, I can do this too. You know? Right. And by the time I was old enough to understand that what I was doing was kind of weird for, I guess, a white chick from Canada, yeah. um, it was already, like, too late. I was kind of in it to win it, so I, I didn't really think about that. Huh. Mm. Interesting. That's a great two story. Two Live Crew. So bumping Two Live, like, not even the edited version? I mean, they had the clean version no. of Two Live Crew. And then, you know, I'll tell you a story. I pulled my I pulled my father aside. I was probably around 10 at this time now, I'm guessing. Pull my, you can guess how old I am now when I say that. I pulled my father aside, and I was like, Dad, you know, I think my brother's listening to really sexist music. Like, maybe we shouldn't <laughs> listen to this anymore. And, and my father's like, okay, okay, don't worry, don't worry. I'll, I'll tell him to stop listening to it. So he pulls my brother aside, and he's like, just don't listen to it around her. Man. <laughs> I just that had a... Answer. Man. I also wrote Uncle Luke a letter when I was a kid. <laughs> oh, no, hold on. Telling, this... him that, telling him that his music was misogynist. I was like, I'm eight years old, and I think that you're making music that's it's funny. I saw this letter. I never mailed it. You still have it? Mm-hmm. Oh my oh, gosh! Wow. That, now that yeah. that is a that is a cover <laughs> of the next. I know, right? Something or another. I know. I used it for an essay in university. <laughs> well, man, you could have um you you could have uh you know uh uh gotten up with a, who was the who was the lady um that was uh ahead of the see Dolores Tucker. No, 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 no. Well, yeah, her and uh, Tipper Gore. When oh, Tipper Gore, about, I remember when they were um yeah. I, I forget her name, but when they were banning them in the state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. yeah, the PM, them, yeah. the PMRC, the the p- parent music. R- resource blah 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 they, they were the ones that put all the black and white parental advisory uh, stickers on all this shit yeah. and, and i think i think i think as nasty as they want to be was the was the record that, that made that that way that would be an awesome album concept like the title <laughs> dear uncle luke that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> man you know what's funny is like 
when I read the letter now, if I was him and I and I opened this letter, not that it would be him, but you know what I mean? <laughs> if I was whoever it was and I opened that letter, I'd be like, why is somebody letting their eight-year-old listen to this anyways? Like, yeah, right. Right. You know, yeah. like, this is not our audience, but, you yeah. know. I just had a flashback. I had a cousin of mine that uh, that spent a lot of time at my grandmother's house, and he came in one day with the new Two Live crew and went in, went in the laundry room my grandmother spent a lot of time in front of the TV or whatever. Uh, he went back in the laundry room with his boom box, and I don't know what came over him, but he turned the shit up all the way. Hey, we want some pull. Like, and she went back there and beat the brakes off of this young boy. And all I could do was watch in awe. I was like, this is the most awesome ass whooping I have ever seen in my life. Yo, when you tell your dad would just play that, that's crazy to me. My dad would play it turned up, swerving the whip. He had like a Jeep Cherokee and he just swerving the whip or whatever he was. I don't remember, but the point is he would pump the brakes, he would like switch on and off the lights, he would turn the car back and forth like we had fun. Oh my God. That is crazy. Yeah. That's, That's a crazy. good one. Hell yeah! That's, That's a good. Well, crazy. you didn't have you 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 had no chance, attorney. I mean, between your brother and your and your uh, <laughs> right? and, and your father. I know. I know. By the time I was in grade five, I was spitting in the playground. People are like, "Who is this?" <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's dope. That's too dope. But at man. least I wasn't mimicking that. You know, I yeah, didn't yeah. have sexually explicit. Yeah, yeah, oh, right. Man. Yeah. Oh, please no. <laughs> that would have been inappropriate. Oh, yeah, very, very, very much so. Hell yeah! Oh man. So, so when did you um? So, so when did you d- decide to take it serious? I guess. I mean, you're talking about you know spitting rhymes in the playground at you know ten years old, but like when did you really start taking it super serious and start wanting to record things like that? That's a good question. It was definitely a natural progression, but I would say looking back. Um, it was a passion of mine that everybody knew the second they met me. This was something that was very important to me. Uh, my music that I wrote, and you know, I, I would spit for anybody and everybody that wanted to listen. And then when I, I got kicked out of the house when I was 15, and the hip-hop community, culture, whatever at large, really became my family and my home in the sense that anywhere and everywhere that I went, that was kind of the connecting dot that took me to wherever I went whether that be a house that I'm crashing at or, you know what I mean? Like any situation I was in that was kind of like the ticket. Um, And so that's when it became more than just a, I guess, a teenage hobby. Um, I also was out of school for a couple of years when I got kicked out of my house. So it was, you know, kind of like a homeless, not going to school teenager Mm. that's only writing raps and recording and sitting and jumping on the mic at any stage she could kind of thing. Um, I did go back to high school and I did graduate and went to university and graduated university, but it was that really formative time of, of just like, this is all I'm eating, breathing, sleeping, living probably around, you know, 15 and on, but especially 15 to 17 when I wasn't going to school or doing anything else. Um, so why did you, why did you decide to go back ticket to survive in life? Hmm? So why did you decide to go back? Like what, 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 because, uh, you know, a, a lot of people wouldn't. Right. I mean, you hear stories about people like not going back. Was was there something in the back of your brain like the Mm -hmm. entire time? Like, I've got to go back and do this or like what 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 made you take the time to go back and, you know, do high school, do university? You know, was that just instilled in you? Did you know you needed to do that or? 
I, I would say it was instilled in me. When I left school, it wasn't a choice. It was more due to my living situation. I was moving around so much, not just different homes, but different cities, that I actually couldn't um, enroll in school. I didn't even have a fixed address. Okay. So wow. I think that it was like something I really wanted to do because it was something taken away from me. So oh, okay. I viewed it as kind of like a luxury and a privilege by the time I got back into school two years later. And then, yeah, my mother raised us with, with a high respect for education. So okay. um, And it was something I was really good at. I was always a straight-A student. So I got a lot of validation in school too. You know wow. what I mean? Gotcha. Hey, Turner, okay. why um why were you kicked out? Can you talk about that? Yeah, sure. Um there's a song that I have called To the Future, and I don't know how many joints you play on this on this uh radio show, but To the Future kind of outlines a lot of what happened around that time and um I was dating an older dude. Most of my sob stories in life involve men. You guys should know that. Uh. <laughs> just like, just a theme, you know what I mean? <laughs> Wasn't drugs, you know what I'm saying? Wasn't none of that. Okay. But anyways, I was dating an older dude, and I decided to tell my mother. I was a teenager at the time, and she was like, cool, you know, get rid of him or get out of the house, and, and the rest is history. I didn't get rid of him. So. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, well, that's pretty yeah. simple. Yeah. Pretty cut and dry there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yep. But I never went back. Like, it wasn't like a out of the house for one month kind of deal. You know, it definitely mm-hmm. shaped and changed the rest of my life. Has, so, has um, um, your relationship with your parents, is that, did that get better over time or was that? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Good. I have so much faith in um, forgiveness. Like this is a, this is something I'm very passionate about. And I have so much faith in renewal, like the renewal of all things. And I think that my life and my experiences have been like kind of a living testament to that because wow. uh, it would just be so easy for me to have resentment and unforgiveness and yeah. maybe even also for my mother. And, and um, now we've both grown a lot. And the interesting mm-hmm. thing is out of all of my siblings, I'm the one that had the most kind of static intention when we were growing up with my mother. And now I'm the one that's closest to my mother out of all my siblings. And so sometimes I wonder if even like, I, I not, I wonder, I know that when you have conflict with someone and that conflict is resolved, it actually builds a stronger relationship than you even had in the first place. And I no. think that that's something that happened with me and my parents, but that can happen with anybody. Like that can happen in a working relationship and a marriage. And Absolutely. Like, you, know, like, you can actually overcome conflict in a, in a way where, you know, it's it's not beyond repair. You know what I'm saying? I think it really can can you can form some good deep bonds with people. Yeah, right. it's interesting. It took a long you, time though. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I um I, that was a challenge that my wife and I had when we first got married because my wife comes from a uh, a situation in a family where there was um a lot of <clears throat> you could say turmoil if you will. Her mom and dad divorced. Mm-hmm. You know. Thing, things like that. She was hell on wheels and high, like running away, yeah. getting arrested, you know, shit like that. We, we, <laughs> we, we, we joke about it yeah. now, but like, you know, it, it, yeah. at the time, um, you know, it was, it was obviously. I may have got arrested a few times. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, <laughs> so, exactly. So, so, so anywho, so, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things and, and I, I don't come from that background. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, when we first got married, you know, I I didn't um, I had a hard time processing that dynamic, mm. um, and she was still like getting over her mom and dad being you know splitting and remarrying and you know things like that. I mean, now twelve thirteen years later, mm-hmm. my perspective right. is a lot different in that regard. But that is people that haven't right. been through that. That's a really hard thing to grasp. Like 
You know, if you really yeah. go through some shit with someone, even if it's really, really, you know, bad or the, some of the worst things that you've ever experienced, if you can just manage to yeah. come out the other end, yeah, you yeah. know, you'll have a, a relationship that's stronger than ever before. And like that, that's what's happened with, you know, her parents, for example. So yeah. And this is, this crazy. is so yeah. dope because uh, this is why I keep showing up over here week after week, man, to do this podcast because I'd be damned if my daughter wasn't just schooling me on forgiveness today. About, <laughs> was she really? Yeah. and that, I, it Where just did kinda, this come from? I want to hear this story. Well, it just kind of came out of nowhere, man. You know, I've been beefing with uh, with Jayla's volleyball coach. Yes. And um, <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to, oh my God, this. I wanted to do some petty shit today. And, <laughs> And my daughter was like, you know, Dad, you should just really let that go, and and uh, it's it's yep. gonna be okay. She's she, she's about to be sixteen, and uh, yep. I'm standing there looking at her with this with this face, like, are you really talking to me about this shit right now? <laughs> out of the mouth of babe, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, wow, you know, I didn't even have a comeback. So this this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> hey man, whatever you and Jerry are doing is right. It's working, dude. I think so. See, that's proof, man. It's working. I think so. You got to keep at it, dude. I think so. You got to keep at it. Yeah, man. And I'm also so. a firm believer too that um, pain. I'm not saying that we should go out and seek it and make stupid decisions, but pain produces the most beautiful people. Um, if you and 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 allows us to grow and evolve. And in fact, without pain and struggle, we will not. Man, that's but right. You change your life. It properly. Man, you really have to. And so many people in life, the people that we refer to as broken, and I think we're all broken. Mm-hmm. But so many people in life just have not processed their whatever it is, pain or whatever, pro- properly. And when you do, there's like this little gem, this gift, this treasure that frees you. Because my definition of pain is when an illusion that you carry hits the brick wall of reality. And don't we all want to get rid of our illusions? Like, isn't the goal to, like, not walk with illusions? You know what I'm saying? So, it's like, if you can think that, like, what illusion am I carrying right now that has just been completely destroyed? There is a gift there. There's a gift somewhere in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's crazy. Your brain's tricky, man. Your brain plays massive tricks on you at all times. Something else, It's wild. It is wild. Uh, So where was I going to go? We were completely sidetracked here. I got Um, a question. Eternia, uh, were you in Australia long enough to see it from various angles? Um, I I, I don't know a lot about Australia, but what I do know about it is on some levels, there's a lot of uh, just as just as much as anywhere else. There's a lot of injustice that goes on in Australia proper. Uh, were you there long enough to see any of that, or was it just a, a brief stay? I was there for half a year, and I know that um, I was in university, and so there was a lot of kids that I hung out with that were really involved in politics, a lot more than I'd say American or Canadian kids. Australian mm-hmm. kids were really kind of heavily, like, more aware um, of what was going on politically in their country. And, and I wasn't firsthand involved, but I was more so privy to, like, dinner conversations. You know what I mean? And and there was a lot of issues there surrounding immigration at the time um, and, like, a real terrible immigration policy and, like, basically the, the government just leaving people out at sea, not letting them onto the shores. Oh, wow. Um, right. Yeah. Or, like, yeah. Uh, and then also, of course, uh, the treatment of Aboriginal people in Australia makes Canadians' treatment of Aboriginal people in Canada look good. 
Mm. And if you know anything about our history, you know that's like the worst skeletons in Canada's closet is probably the way we've treated um, um, Aboriginal Canadians. So the mm-hmm. fact that Australia makes us look good shows how bad it was over there. It's that's pretty um, crazy. And I don't begin to know the history other than to know that it's like um, it's like two separate worlds. It's like two, two separate universes. I remember like on a personal level, I was at this uh, blues and jazz fest in Byron Bay. Highly recommended. It. it happens annually. Um, the year that I was there, who was there? Oh man, it was. Anyways, I forget. It was incredible. But long story short, it's pouring rain. It's magical. I'm ciphering on the corner with these cats in the pouring rain in Australia, like just spitting, hanging out with these cats all night. And at the end of the night, this young guy, this young Aboriginal kid, he says to me, he's like a teenager. He was cute. He says to me, he's like, man, he's like, what did he say? He said something like. Nobody that looks like you has ever hung out with me in my entire life. Whoa. That's big. Yeah, he said something yeah. like that. And I remember just being like, I, I, I just remember being like, I didn't even know. It just blew my whole mind. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? After hours and hours and hours of hanging out, just blew my whole mind. I, so, yeah, that was my firsthand kind of experience with, with how, I guess you could say, um, divided the nation still is on right. that issue. but. Um, but I don't begin to know it in depth. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, attorney, I have a quick question for you, but kind of, uh, circling back around to, um, like when you started to take your craft a little bit more serious, do, do you recall when you knew that you had something special or like when you were good? Like, do you, I always like asking people that question. Like, you know, a lot of people haven't, I don't even know or, if I feel that way to this day. <laughs> There are okay. days where I feel like I have something <laughs> special, and there are other days where I'm like, I I don't know. That is a very interesting question to ask an artist, because I think a big part of why we um, struggle and strive so much with, with very little reward off, often um, is because we're just striving for this kind of, our, our biggest critic is ourselves. Right, but it so, takes a certain I, amount of confidence yeah. to step on the stage. It takes a, like I think back to like when I started DJing, right? Like uh, I wanted right, to get right. I, I wanted to get turntable. Well, I, I, you know, always been like huge into music. You know, in choir and piano and playing instruments uh, early on, and then like I, I wanted to get turntables because I loved it, and I for whatever reason I thought that I could do it, and I, I did figure out how to do it. But you still got to have some sort of. There has to come to a point. Meeks, I'm, I'm sure with rhyming, you had you had to have some sort of awareness. Like, all right, this isn't bad. It may not be the best exact thing like going, but you know, I can, I think I can do this on some sort of respectable level. Man, for like, me, it man. was uh, it. Uh, I don't think we've actually had this. I don't, nah, I don't know this story with real you, quick. Actually. Real quick for me, rap turned me on like I wasn't oh okay I wasn't in life for lack of a better term I was I was kind of just floating like looking for something okay and hip-hop came to me and turned me all the way on and out (laughs) you know what I'm saying like like my my family couldn't believe how open I got once I got a taste of hip hop, they were like, "What in the fuck happened to him? <laughs> He's annoying now." You know that type of shit. Like, like how this, old were you then? Oh man, I was eight, nine. 
Yeah, I was eight like, or I was eight or nine. Yeah, uh, I was like third yeah. grade going on to fourth grade, and up until yeah. that point, I didn't have a a stance on anything. But I wake up Christmas morning, go under the tree, and I got the twelve inch rappers delight. Uh, uh-huh. And from that point, I've been a fucking idiot ever since. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, 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 it's, it's amazing. That's more like an in love moment. That's like a oh, moment. it's totally it's totally an in love moment. But it's just like at that time, and my my family just thought I was just quiet, you know, just kind of withdrawn. Uh, didn't really care for what everybody was into, and then all of a sudden, I'm just gung ho for this 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 new thing. They were just like, oh my god. Y'all, y'all better keep an eye on him. Like, it's 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 gonna be trouble. That's so a great yeah, story, man. I've never man, heard that, that story. Man, that shit. That I'm telling you, man, this shit turned me out. I can't stop fucking with. That's why I can't stop fucking with it. I know, I know. It's crazy. <laughs> I know, I know. So, I think you guys just reminded me. I think I might have a moment. Oh, okay. It's funny because people have asked me this before, and I never thought of anything. But I think I might have a moment because you brought it back to when you were young. So that mm-hmm. kind of triggered something in me. Okay. I think when I was around fourteen. Um, I told you it always, this is embarrassing how it always relates to a boy. Um, (laughs) but you know, I'm just, I was a boy crazy kid. What can I say? Uh, when I was 14, I was writing raps and I wrote my first, like, I mean, I was spitting before that, but it was kind of like what I heard and mimicking stuff and whatever, or I don't know if it was off the top or what, but I wasn't really writing raps. I remember I wrote one of my first like real songs, like hook, verse, you know, bridge, all that. Right. And, um, and it was for this dude that it was like my, you know, first real boyfriend or whatever. And um, I remember spitting it to him on the phone. And he was like, so yes, beat. he put me on the phone with all his boys. And I don't just mean that night. I mean, like other nights when he was around <laughs> other dudes, he'd be like, listen to my girl. She raps. Listen to my girl. She raps. Listen to my girl. She raps. And he literally put me up, which I say in that song, keep you. But it's a real true story. He literally put me on the phone with anybody that would listen. Like my girl raps. She's dope. And I think that probably, without me knowing, gave me a lot ah, of um, wow. That yeah, would, just that would do like, it. Man, I must be all right. Yeah. That's all right. Awesome. That's that's an absolutely incredible story. So 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 who? Um, wh- what kind of validation did you get from someone? Um, in you know the culture or world of hip hop, though, like mm-hmm. is is there someone that? you know, gave you that encouragement or confidence there? Because that seems to be, at least, you know, as, as many of these interviews as, as we've done, there tends to be, like, there might be something like that, like you just went through, and then there's someone like, um, you know, I met, uh, you know, Uncle Luke, and he said that um, I was going to be on the next Two Live Crew album with him or something. I don't know. <laughs> so sometimes I, <laughs> There's been so, a lot of people, you know, this is going to be interesting because I actually remember... I have a hard time retaining compliments to even remember them. Um, it's something that most people value and cherish and take to heart, but I have this difficult time receiving um, praise, I guess. So I guess I, I say all that to say a lot of people said a lot of very encouraging things to me that are people that you'd know, and I don't, and I didn't retain their what they said. You know what I mean? But I know that there was a lot of people around me like, yo, you know, you dope. 
Um, but I, I can actually remember something that Ice-T said to me once. Oh. I was at, um, yeah, and this is late in the game. Like, this is after at last, no, right around the time at last was coming out. So it's not like oh. I needed this to know if I was dope or not. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Um, but uh, I remember I had done Fat Beats. It was the, it was the week that Fat Beats was closing, the, the store. Yeah. And um, we had a slew of performances all week long, and I was scheduled on one of the days, and Raskast was scheduled that day, and he had a release party after the, I forget for what album, to be honest, he had some sort of release party after um, our Fat Beats performance. So last, at the last minute, and this is a good example of why you always need to be prepared, because my DJ was with me, he had all my files, he had like, whatever he had, his laptop, his hard drive, whatever, and at the last moment, Raz was like, yo, why don't you come rock my release party? Mm. So we were like, all right, let's just roll it. We can go. We're ready to go, right? So we go, and it was kind of like, you know, there was some people in the spot. There was there was some people, and I remember seeing Ice-T and Coco there, and they were kind of oh, sitting shit. at the back, like by the far wall, and it was kind of a small little intimate venue. I forget the name. And um, and we jumped on, and I, I know I have videotape of this. I really, I, I, I'm 99.99% sure I murked that joint. You know what I mean? Like, nobody <laughs> there knew me. I, I was not known in this in that room. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, and uh, I remember running to the back, because I like to run around with cordless mics and sitting basically almost like right beside Ice-T and Coco and like spitting, like, you know what I'm saying? Like while I'm performing with my mic in my hand, like, ah, you know, like just running around. And then at the end, Ice-T came up to me and he was like, um, what did he say? He said, he said, I can tell you've been doing this for a very long time. And he said, um, and he, you know, he asked me like, so what's the deal? Like what you doing? What you coming out with? Whatever. And I told him, oh yeah, we got this album, la la. And then I remember him being like, well, are you going to give it to me or what? Like, are you giving me your album? And I'm like, I didn't want to be one of those, one of those people that's like, yo, you know, listen to my album. I, I always hated that. Right, I, don't, I don't know. Right. I'm, that's not the, that's yeah. not the way I promote myself. Right. So the fact that like he asked for my album and he was like, I can tell you've been doing this for a very long time. And he had like this serious look in his face and he kind of came to us too. Like we didn't walk over, he walked over and I'll never forget that. That was a serious nod to me. That's dope. That is dope. Yeah. Yeah. That does not happen very often nah, in man, ice all. I bet. Mm-mm. So, so yeah, attorney, that's, that's, cool. in, that's interesting because I, I was looking at, a, at a, an interview with, uh, with you somewhat recently and and kind of to that same vein where you were talking about where you you kind of didn't need the validation any, anymore after at last came out, I, I saw something in in an interview maybe it was premiere or someone like that kind of um you know was it premiere kind of said the same thing or maybe he was playing a bunch of joints off at last but you made the comment that like after at last you kind of you felt like you didn't have anything to prove anymore on top of just not wanting to deal with all the process bullshit that you mentioned earlier in the interview? Like, is that kind of, did that kind of happen around the same time? Absolutely. You're you're absolutely right. There was probably like 10 or 20 or a hundred different reasons why I segued out of um, music as a full-time thing. So it wasn't, it wasn't just one thing, you know what I mean? Okay. But, but yeah, I think that for the longest time I was driven by this need to, it was kind of an unhealthy need. Like if somebody was to like psychoanalyze me, it was probably like, you know, a totally kind of selfish, uh, I don't know, like unhealthy need to feel um, validated and, and to kind of prove everyone wrong. Cause for the longest time it was like, Oh, you know, a white chick from Canada. Ha ha ha. That's so funny. Right. You know, so I right. think I really just wanted to prove everybody wrong 
And my version of proving everyone wrong wasn't, you know, um, selling a, mil- a million records or whatever. It was, it was being respected and known by my peers and by people that I came up listening to that we all know are, are right. dope. Right. You know, like someone like Premier. So um, for me, you know, you get certain cosigns and it's like, I don't care what the rest of the world thinks. You know, I, I made it, this is going to sound silly, but like the source was still the hip hop Bible for a minute. And, you know, I made it in the source and like, like the physical magazine, not the online one only. And like, you know, just right. little things like that. I right. was like, oh, okay. You know, um, and yeah, at last was definitely kind of my offering. And it also felt like the tipping point. It felt like the perfect, um, like uh, when everything just came together, look, sound, beats, even my um, delivery in the studio, you know, was, was more seasoned and kind of just fit the beats better. And just everything kind of felt like it came together for at last. And it was almost this magical thing that you almost were worried that you, I don't want to say you can't repeat because that's kind of, it just, it just, everything just culminated. It was a tipping point thing. I think at last was really a tipping point. Thing. Right. Now, did, did you, did you know Moss before this record or? No. Okay. No. So no. what's the story That's behind that? That's a funny that? story too, because back in 2006, um, I moved to New York in 2005. Okay. And back in 2005, 2006, I was shopping this album that I had. It's called Life, which is out. Yeah. And I was trying to get an American label to pick it up for like at least distribution or something. Right. And I remember meeting with Fat Beats. I had a friend who was an A&R there and he took, um, he took the album into like the Fat Beats listening session to, you know, get people's feedback on it. And he came back to me and he was like, you know, it was kind of like, uh, like it wasn't like she's bad, but it wasn't like, you know, let's sign her. You know what I'm saying? And so his suggestion to me was, why don't you do like a one producer, one MC album with somebody that, you know, he's like, Moss, Moss is from Canada. You should do a record with Moss. And I remember being like, 2006, I was like, who's Moss? I don't care. I don't know him. <laughs> like literally, I was like, I was more insulted that, that, yeah. I don't know. I think it was more the fact that I just didn't know him and it was kind of like a, a technique or something to right. like get into the biz, you know? Right. And then the beautiful thing was what we did was not a technique at all. It was like we met and immediately had like this mutual respect and like we clicked and and he literally said when he met, when he saw me on stage that he saw, he heard a whole album in his head when he saw oh. me on stage. And so... The rest was history. It was literally just us wow. actually doing it because we wanted to do it at the end of the day for something that we wanted to hear. And then just the fact that it, that it suited the rest of the world was kind of like a bonus, you know? That's well, that's, that's, that's quite a yeah. producer to manage uh, wrangling an entire LP with. I'll tell you that much. Hell yeah. I mean, good God, that guy right it there. Blessing, Holy sure. shit. Yeah. Wow. It was a blessing. It was a blessing. <laughs> Who's Moss? And you know, I, I just gotta go out there on a, I just gotta go out there and just say like life lessons one oh one or whatever, like the biggest blessings have fallen in my lap. They haven't been things that I tried to orchestrate or like pull right. strings or puppeteer. You know what I mean? Like okay. that whole thing, I didn't I didn't go out of my way to do anything. That was just straight God. Like, you know what I mean? That wasn't me calling someone up like, yo, I need a record from you. It was nothing like that. Uh, so, so the next question is: How many eye roll questions did 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 you get with the whole Canadian connection when you were doing press for that record? Was it just was it was it uh, was it kind of trying dealing with all that, or or what was it? Oh, just the fact that we're both Canadian. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean that's that, that, that that's bad. like the go-to. It was kind of okay. more empowering. It wasn't negative. It was definitely oh, okay. empowering. It was funny because I was living in New York City the whole time, and I literally was flying to Toronto uh, once every I want to say three months to bang out like a couple records uh, each time, hmm. a couple songs each time. So so the entire process of the album was done with me in New York City and him in Toronto, but then me flying up there for studio sessions. Gotcha. So yeah, did you have something mix? Um, I was just going to throw a word at you and um, kind of get your your feedback Uh-oh. on it. Uh, loyalty. <laughs> Americans are very loyal, <laughs> and when I say Americans, what I mean by that is is that I think culturally it is instilled in the fiber of being American to be loyal. And um, coming from another country, from Canada, where uh, I think Canadians culturally really pride themselves on being impartial. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to be impartial and be loyal at the same time. It's mm-hmm. not impossible, but it's very difficult. So I, I learned living in the United States that loyalty kind of supersedes impartiality or indifference, you know, mm-hmm. there. And that really works well because when you're an artist coming up, it's like those promoters, those DJs, those radio stations or radio shows. It's like if they like you, if they love you, they will always play your record. That's loyalty. And Word. I don't see that as I don't see that as much here in Canada. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, yeah. yeah. Where'd you pull that one from? Mick? Just, she kind of nah, came out of left. No, nah, no, nah, it's it's not left field, man. Come on, we have we have a process here. Come on. <laughs> I know, and I'm, like I'm sitting here trying to figure out well, where that came from. It came from. Um, oh, is this um, a bit about Sav? Yeah, some information that you you shared uh, with the magazine about Sav and um, how he, you know, there was. There was times where he could have he could have dipped out on you and he didn't. Um, um, I guess this is a good segue into talking about your relationship with Sav, your working relationship with Sav, and and how y'all are able to accomplish things because you're you're not done by any means, right? So, um, and I know he and I know he works hard. Oh, wait, first, you got to tell me you got to tell me the quote about him almost. I got, out, oh, I got it right no, here. There's something. Uh, let's see. This was an interview from yeah. uh, Swerve, and it says, uh-huh. "And you were given a sh- you were given shouts at the end of the interview, and it oh, and it yeah. says, Sav, uh, my manager and dear friend, deserves a shout out for being loyal to me, even when he easily could have dipped. I don't know if I know anyone as loyal as him." That's pretty strong. I, I, that 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 statement is still true to this day. That's I still don't up. know anyone as loyal as him. That's, that's, that's still very true. Oh, so how do yeah, you know Sav Eternia? Yeah. Man, that's a great story. Everything's all like a god moment. Um, I was at a release jam at Fat Beats again. This is like 2007 now or something like way before I was ever signed or knew anybody at the label. Um, there was a compilation that I was on. And um, they were doing a release party for it. And I was just kind of like, actually, so like everybody was in the middle. Have you ever been to Fat Beats, the store? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. So, you know, how like you walk in, you walk up the stairs, and to the left is like the cash register in the back room. And then mm-hmm. to the right is like the whole basically rest of the store, like the front of the store where DJs spin, et cetera. Yep. So like everybody was like kind of crowded over to the right, like by the windows, by the DJ, by the performances, people were jumping on the mic. I jumped on the mic that night, but like, you know, it was like a whole hoopla fanfare, la la la. And then like the few people that worked at Fat Beats or that were trying to stay out the spotlight were at the back. And I remember to the, to the left and I remember being there alone, like I rolled up alone and I remember not really wanting to be there. 
Mm. <laughs> I know it sounds funny, but I just, I don't know. It's uh... So I stuck with the people at the back, but I didn't really know them. So I basically just started talking to Sab, like sitting right beside him. Like we were probably shoulder to shoulder because you know it's so tight in that spot. Absolutely. We were yep. probably shoulder to shoulder. And I just started talking to him like he was like my old friend from 10 years ago. And like <laughs> the beautiful thing is he just kind of did that too. Yeah. So we're both just talking to each other like we've been known each other for 10 years. And I think it was probably halfway through the conversation that I was like, so like, have I met you before? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because sometimes there's people that I would meet that I'd forget that I met. So I was like, oh, maybe, you know, he's talking to me like he knows me because we actually know each other. <laughs> right. But then I found but then I found out that we actually didn't know each other when we were just meeting that day. But it, it was very much a very um, comfortable, you know, I've known you forever conversation. And I was also hiding from from the, I guess, the cameras and the whatever else. Um, so, yeah, that was our first meeting. And, and somehow that turned into a, like a real fast friendship. And then from that, he was kind of like a couple months in was like, you know, I want to help you however I can help you. And I didn't even know what that looked like or meant. And, and so he's kind of spearheaded a lot of even ideas of how he could help me because I don't even know if I knew at the time what he was signing up for. Man. He probably knew more than I did. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's all you need right there. Huh? Yeah, right. Yeah. I've been looking, yeah. I've been looking yeah. for a motherfucker like that my whole <laughs> life. You don't that, know how many people tell me that. Do you man. know how many people call to me and it's like, I need a salve. Yo, and I'm, like, yeah, I'm you. like that. You know what I'm I mean? I'm telling you. And I and I thought I've had that person several times. And for whatever reason, you know, whether I was hard head or hard headed or I just didn't I just didn't see what they saw. You know, it never yeah. quite really worked out. Uh but yeah. you know, I'm I'm still on the hunt, man. Still on the hunt. <laughs> and if I could, and if I could just, you know, I, I I very rarely get this platform to express this. So like, things really changed. Like it was a night and day difference having him in my corner. I believe. It. Um, I had done music. Yeah, I had done music for a long time independently previous to him, and I had still, you know, I had dropped albums, I had dropped music videos, I had mm-hmm. toured the world, but never did I have someone kind of harness or 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 kind of just be able to see the big picture and, and capitalize on, on, um, on, I guess you could say my raw talent and, and be a friend. He's like my brother. He's my best friend. He's, you know, like, even if he never manages me, I, I trust he will always be those things. So. That's dope. Well, yeah. it's, it's funny you say that an attorney, obviously we don't know one another. Um, but, um, I, I, I we, Meeks and I both know superstition very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, have known him for a number of years, and while we don't know one below extremely well, um, we uh, Meeks and I had done some shows with him, and I I can imagine the type of um, uh, person that it would take to convince um, you know Lo that hey I'm your guy. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and I know that Supa is, is the exact same way, right. right? Like if superstition is fucking with you, like you've got your shit yeah. together, yeah. right? Yeah. Like they're hands down. So, yeah. uh, you know, I'm, I don't I'm, even think, I mean, I'm gonna put him on blast. I don't think that Sav had to convince Lowe. I think Lowe had to convince Sav. Oh yeah. <laughs> because, because wow. Lowe Low knew how dope he was because Lowe and I are friends. Okay. You know, we've done a lot of touring and stuff together. So yeah. he, he saw everything that Sav was doing, and I think he was like, yo, let me holler at your boy. Ah, uh, okay. That's All right. Okay. All right. gotcha. But that, hopefully he's not mad that I said that. I'm no, sure no. That at the end, it was a mutual thing. You know oh, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we see that. Yeah, you toured with Supa uh, uh, a little bit too, didn't you, Eternia? 
Yeah, me and yeah. me and Lo Supa and Hassan Salam previously. Uh, Sav managed Hassan Salam for a bit. Right. Um, we all actually kind of went way back, way before even the Sav connection. So that was kind of cool that yeah. um, family ended up on the same management roster. It was, it was nice. It felt good. Yeah, that's sure. dope. That's dope. Peace My first sa- European tour ever, 2006. Um, Super was on the bill. Oh, really? Okay. Was that through yeah. Um, yeah. Sabotage? That's right. I, I remember that. I remember. How that. was that experience, Attorney? How many dates did you do? Man, uh, we did. That's a good question. I think we were on the road for two weeks, maybe a little bit more than two weeks. Okay. Um, which doesn't sound long, but I left a job for that tour. Oh, really? I love like, it. Like, didn't come back. It must have been longer than two weeks. Then maybe it was three. I left a job. Like, yeah, for that tour. Um, how was that? <laughs> you have to ask super poor guy. Poor guy. Um, not I remember. Poor guy, just because like when you're a chick and you've never toured Europe before, you're probably like you know you're all types. You're all types of green. You know what I'm saying? Mm, yeah. um, but no, it was really good. I, I remember it being. I remember. I remember it being dope. Now yeah. I remember. Uh, I remember talking to Super about that because I was um, kind of in touch with the people over at Subatage. Um, in regards to doing some work with them, and you know, it, 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 nothing really ever came from it. But I remember talking to Super about that tour, and I thought the dude was getting ready to move to Europe, man. Did you? Yeah, he was. <laughs> I mean, he was talking about just being that able to, to a lot of folks. Yeah, just being able to not even really rap your records because everybody in the audience was doing it for you. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think it. Uh, I, think I think it was every a, single one of us on that tour. That I think mostly it was Cesar Comanche, me, Supa, and then we were on bills with like um, Abrude and and like we we on bills with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but long story short, I think all of us on that bill were just purely grateful every night. Like there was a great sense of like gratefulness yeah. and no entitlement. Yeah, and that he, was a cool part. Yeah, that he was said cool it part. was definitely an eye opener for him on all levels. So yeah, I, I think he had a good time with that. And I'm I'm pretty sure you all did. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely I remember it like yesterday. Cool. So attorney, you got kind of uh, uh fast forwarding a little bit, I saw something you were kind of talking about making a, a decision, a conscious conscious decision after at last to kind of transition out of not uh, out of uh you know music not being your primary job, whatever you want to call it. And I, I, when I was kind of doing some research before the interview, I, uh, I found an article, I think it was the same article where you were, you were talking about Sav, where you talked about your passion for helping elderly people. Now, so is that something that you're still doing or was that kind of part of that transition or like, can you talk a little bit more about that? Because that is not, um, that is a um that that's not an easy thing to do. No, it's not. That is my calling okay. presently. Okay. Um it's it's not just a job, although that is um my job as well. Okay. But I've been offered, you know, other opportunities and it's something that I feel like I feel like God's placed me where I am for a reason and the whole thing is just kind of a miracle to begin with because I didn't have experience in that field. And I, um, yeah, I work in okay. a, and I presently work in a long-term care facility that my own grandparents lived in and died in. Wow. And, um, I, yeah, I used to just be a family member that would visit them. And I fell in love with just the, um, 
the culture and the environment inside those walls, it just actually fulfilled me. Like whenever I was there, I just feel so full and joyful. And I didn't know why, but I just knew it had something to do with these elderly folks. Right. <laughs> and so I was like, what can I do to make, you know, this passion kind of, you know, a, a calling or, and so, um, I will make a long story really short just sure. by, by, uh, I was supposed to move to Philadelphia. I gave my three months notice in New York city, um, like a month before I was supposed to move to Philadelphia, my relationship crumbled. I was basically about to get married and that didn't happen. Okay. So, uh, instead of moving to Philadelphia, I moved back home. Like didn't even know I was going to be moving back home. Right. Until okay. a month before. Okay. And, um, the day that I moved back home from New York city, a woman that I knew at this facility says to me, uh, we're hiring a life enrichment coordinator, which is basically in layman's terms, having fun with residents, like creating fun. Okay. And, uh, gotcha. Yeah, and she's like, put in your resume, apply today. And I remember saying two things. I'm like, I have zero experience. I don't know what to do. She's like, just write a cover letter. And then I said, I'm moving today. Like, literally, I am in New York City packing up a moving van. I'm like, can I give you this resume, like, in two days? She's like, no, send it this morning. So I remember, like, waking up early the day that I was moving back home, put in the put in the resume. Within two days after moving back home, I have an interview. Within a week after moving back home, on my birthday, I'm starting this new job, and it was kind of, it was my dream job. Like two years previous, I had said to her, "Man, life enrichment. That sounds like my dream, you know." Um, and, they, and it's really grown me and shaped me a lot. Like you want to talk about transformation and evol- and evolving as a human. Um, I'm no longer a life enrichment coordinator. I'm more like um, I guess you could say like a manager of a unit, but we call them um, neighborhood advocates. Okay. So it's 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 complicated. We're doing this major culture change thing. We're trying to move from a facility to like really just a home environment and i love long story short i just love elderly people and they love me and there's this like reciprocity of love giving and taking and it's just a beautiful thing that's, so um, that sounds like it yeah i'm that not is, going i'm not going anywhere cool. that's so interesting i mean that is so bizarre how that happened how that unfolded that's crazy Very bizarre. and there's even more if i told you more behind the scenes you'd be like yo that is really a miracle like that's not even the extent of how miraculous the whole thing happened was wow. and it was, um, and, and, and the big part was my grandmother was living there at the time when I got hired. She passed away oh, she was. Later. Oh, no way. Yeah. And when I was, and when I was, you know, about to move to Philly, my biggest fear was that, um, so when you get married in the States and you're not American, you actually can't leave the country until your paperwork's processed. So basically mm. you have this wait time where you have to stay in the States. And so you basically oh. get your whatever it is, right? Interesting. Your green card or whatever. Okay. And you're not allowed to leave in that time. And that could be two months. That could be eight months. That could be a year. And I remember my biggest fear was that process happening and my grandmother passing away and me not oh, being Oh, wow. You could oh. be. So yeah. when I moved home and I got to be with her every day pretty much for the last six months of her life, and I had been living in New York for almost 10 years, that was just a huge gift, right? Wow. That is crazy. Yeah. So did you have that's a, that's all I got to say. Yeah. So did you, so did you, so when you were in university, did you have, what were you into in university? Like what, what was your study? Like, did, did you have a backup plan? Like, um, <laughs> no, nah, but you, it's funny. I've always lived life without a backup plan. That's okay. Funny. And doors have always flung open. That's, that's not something I, I, I grow to, I don't know. It's just, ah, it's living life creatively, I guess. Hmm. Um, no, I went to university for broadcast journalism and my oh, minor okay. was sociology. Okay. And the second I graduated school, I pretty much moved to New York. Like I was like, all right, okay, got my gotcha. degree. Now I'm going to go do music. Gotcha. Okay. So I didn't even pursue a career in that. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. All right. 
Well, I, th- I think you have to have the personality to, to um, I guess, live your life like that or be willing to kind of accept uh, changes in what's put in front of you. Like, I, 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 I believe that there are probably people that can't handle that. So you're, you're obviously one of those people that can, I guess. I don't, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess being out on my own from a young age, it's like the unknown is something that you're right. less fearful of when you experience it a lot, I guess. So it's more like an adventure. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but also it's easier when you're not married and you don't have children. Like, let's be real. If if I got locked down really young, none of this whole story would be different. Like the minute you're thinking about someone else other than yourself, someone else, someone others, you know, someone else's well-being, you're, you're going to be making very different, safer choices, right? Oh, that's true. I get to make really unsafe choices in a sense, if you want to think about it like that, because the only person that I'm accountable to is myself and the only person at risk is myself. Right, right. That's true. No doubt. Oh man, holy cow! That is a crazy story. <laughs> wow. So, uh, so, so, what's what's happening next? E, like, what's 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 gonna we're gonna see um, again? Like, like maybe an EP, or are you gonna work on some new music, or what are you? That is a good question. What man. what can I, I what what, like, what, I what can I get like, out of you? I have an EP's worth of music right now with Moss that's unreleased. Hmm. I have an EP's worth of music right now with App that's un- Apathy that's unreleased. Um, I am dropping a single next week. Just thought I'd tell you guys that now. Ah. Um, yeah, another another joint uh, with my dear friend, producer, Aunt B, Cincinnati. Um, obviously, out of Cincinnati. Um, yep, yep, yep. But yeah, he was my roommate for a while when I lived in New York. So, you know, everybody I do music with, you have to have like a friendship with. You know what I mean? Sure. That's a big, big kind of running theme through all my music. Um, he produced this crazy beat um, and he gave it to me a long time ago, but I just finished the track uh, a couple months ago. So cool. that's another thing, too. Is sometimes I just wait until the spirit moves me. So it's like I'll hit somebody up five years later like, yo, you know that beat you gave me? <laughs> Yeah, right. That happens too. That happens too. So, um, but right. yeah, to answer your question, I don't know. I think I'm just okay. kind of letting things happen in a way where it's like, I don't want to say if it's easy, I do it, but you know, the path at least like, it's just like when doors open, I walk through them. That's basically what's happening. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. Are you ready at for all? this? Yeah. Uh, are you ready for this performance coming up on the 29th? I don't know, man. I'm, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I perform so infrequently these days. And mm. performing was like my love language. Like, it was like, you know, I don't want to say easy, but it kind of was easy. Like, I rehearse. I always rehearse. I'm a professional. But performing to me is like just my chance to have fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. But lately, because I have not been performing, it's actually more, I get more nervous because I haven't done it in so long. Mm. So I get like, there's a little bit of actual uh, fear, insecurity. Yeah. But I think that once I get on stage, usually it's good. I mean, I hope. You know what I mean? Like I it's think, like hopefully it's like riding a bike, but um, I noticed my breath control isn't the same as it used to be. I'm gonna be perfectly mm, real with you guys. Gotcha. Um, I used to just yeah, my breath control was just on point, and now because I don't do it as often, I I can feel that when I'm on stage. I feel that, but okay. um, I can still spit. I'm just like I can feel it. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, but yeah, no. So you asked me a question. I was giving you an honest answer. I'm I'm looking forward to it. We're gonna be doing something different. Me and DJ Law are doing actually like a video set. So basically every joint that he drops he through serato like he mixes with videos oh so he's cutting yeah yeah, like if he's cutting you actually see the video cutting and if he's blending with another track you actually see the two videos blending it's it's pretty cool cool yeah and and we're gonna try we're basically doing a 
a run through of all of my music videos um, okay. on stage, which I've never done before. Ah, that's and we're, dope. we're talking about the Hand Solo Records 20th anniversary show. Um, what's your relationship with them, Attorney? I mean, Thomas Quinlan is the founder of Hand Solo, and I know him as a journalist who, in the 90s, or it might have been the year, was might have been 2000, he coined the phrase, um, Canada's dopest female MC, when he wrote about me mm-hmm. in Exclaim magazine, which was a national publication at the time. So that was kind of a big deal for a teenager to get that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and he had his own indie label, and then he would put on a lot of shows, and over the years, I was featured on his shows often. And then um, he put out a compilation that I was featured on, I don't know when, probably 10 years ago. And so I'm not, um, I've never been on the label, but I've always been kind of like, I guess, an affiliate of or an alumni. And so, um, yeah, he asked me for a record actually for the, for the Basements of Bad Men Volume 3. Um, and I gave him a record, which is what I'm releasing next week. So that's uh, where that song comes from. All right. Yeah. gave him a record and then he's like, well, why don't you come and perform it at the release party? And I'm like, why not? So for me, oh. like, this is what happens, right? It's all just a process of people being like, I need a record. And I'm like, okay, let me see what I got. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. What do they call it when, uh, when, when the comedians, uh, when the comedians like crash a comedy club just to like work out a little bit, like to, to prep the right. routine? That's what, that's what you need to do. Yeah. You need to show up to some random bullshit rap show and just crash that motherfucker. <laughs> like yeah, 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 yeah. Just, just like every night, just every night, just Get crash the fucking up. club. Yeah. And be like, oh, I'm getting on. Right. I can see what's going on. It like, isn't really a big deal. No thanks. <laughs> Eternia, did did you ever feel the void of uh, the female version of Eminem that people were looking for? Oh yeah, that was a good no. one. <laughs> that was a good one. No. That, that that was another. Uh, that was another know, quote. I don't know. I used to be insulted when people would be like, "You're like the female Eminem." I'm I believe like, it. Oh. Yeah. How stereotypical and base can you be? I remember. I'll tell you a funny story though. I was the year was I think 2000. And I was at CMJ in New York City at SOBs. I want to say it was that day. And long story short, I met like some people that at the time were managing or working with whatever Rampage. You remember Rampage? Oh yeah, yeah. the last Boy Scout. Yep. At the time, you know, at the time that was you know impressive. And Flip I remember mode. they saw me perform because I was I was on CMJ, and they pulled me aside off stage and they were like, "Yo, we're looking for like the next." female Eminem and you're it and we're just gonna do this and we're gonna like get you on flip mode and we're gonna uh, they were all excited. Oh. and I remember yeah I remember being in contact with them for a little bit in Toronto but that didn't pan out but that's the funny story about just being an MC in this game at that time hmm. 90s early 2000s etc yeah. it's like you get so many people that are kind of like you're gonna be this and you're gonna be that and yeah. you're gonna do this and you're gonna do that and after a while you're just you know what whenever you're ready to do it I'm there. Yeah. I don't right, even talk right. about it. Yeah. If yeah, you yeah. want me at a studio session, Make it happen. I'm there. Yeah. If you want me at a meeting, I'm there. But let's not, like, what are we talking on the phone for? Mm. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Lip service. Yo, this yeah. is it for me. This is it for me. You got one more. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, this is it for me. Okay. I, whenever I see your name, um, whether it was something like a couple of weeks ago when we played a joint or I, I don't know, um, um, you might release something here and there, like you like you stated earlier. I always go. This is gonna sound crazy. Don't 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 oh, judge me. Jesus, where are you going? Don't don't what judge me. What are you doing? Me. I'm judging don't you right judge now. Me. Sorry, I'm judging. I always <laughs> I I always Google 
you to see what you're looking like these days. Okay. Um, these yeah, you find current photos. Your 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 look has changed uh, from yeah. long hair. Let me just say, I love the short haircut. What are oh, you? What are you currently looking like? What's your image like right now? Well, if you go to my Twitter page right now or right. my Facebook page right now, mm-hmm. I just happened to update my my profile photo like right before this interview. Wow. Okay. So if if oh. you click on that profile photo, that is me as of one month ago or a couple weeks ago because that was the most recent photo shoot. That's what's up. All right, so we're having a fashion conversation now. We're having a fashion and style. No, it's not a Meeks, fashion conversation. Meeks, I didn't realize. Saying, Meeks, you know? I, Meeks, I didn't realize this was so um nah, s- man, such a pressing is, issue. For it's you. it's not pressing. <laughs> a woman appreciates, but you know what? I'm not judging you. A woman appreciates it <laughs> Thank when somebody you. notices aesthetic things. Thank you. It's, that there, there ain't nothing wrong with that. It's pimping. So what do you right? think? Long hair or short hair? Do you vote for long hair or I'm, short hair? I'm down for all of it. Just let me let that let me. <laughs> Let me get that out there as well. I wouldn't give a damn if you had a nappy afro. I just oh, want to yes be. I just want to be able to. <laughs> I just want to be able to see it. That's my whole thing. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, that's 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 yeah, it right no, there. But, um, so yo, it's right so yo, it's long hair right now. No, it's no, not. It's no, not. Sure, I'm at the. I'm at the Twitter. You said the Twitter, right? It should be updated. You're looking at yeah, I updated it. You're looking at something. Oh, okay. Else, I don't know what you're no, looking no, at. No, no, I was I was on the I was on the Google search page and it had an old picture up there. Right. So we still we still short. I'm seeing a little purple. No, uh, that's something. Yeah. Actually, yeah. no, I don't have purple in my hair. That's okay. just a filter. You know? That's just a filter, okay. The edges are intact. <laughs> Your edges are I'm there. Like, yep, whatever you say. <laughs> whatever you say. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> and like and like I said, I'm I'm with all of it. I'm with it. I'm with it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. All right. And well, I'm following uh, right now. You're following right now. Yeah. Okay. All Just right. Follow. Yeah. I'm good. I'm looking at that. Sav's name is all over your Twitter page. I re- that, that's that's dope. I that's like how that. you do it. Yeah. That's all right. Should be done. Absolutely. Correct. All right, well, attorney, thank you so much for making this happen. Man, this I really appreciate it. This has been really fun. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's important to talk about things that matter, you know? And so I appreciate you guys giving me the platform to talk about things that I'm passionate about and not the same old, same old, which, which you know, it would be easy to do. So I thank you for kind of digging deep and asking some, some good questions. Absolutely. That's what we try to do here. All right, Meeks. That was was that really your last question? Yeah, that was it. That's that, that was all. I really okay. wanted to ask that at the top, but I I I waited. <laughs> Thank you. I waited, man. I appreciate that. Over there, he's like anticipating. Yeah, yeah I, I waited, man. Anticipation. You know, patience is is one of my strong suits. <laughs> patience is a virtue. All right. Absolutely. All right, Attorney. Thank you so much. Good luck to you. Uh, whatever. Um, you know you you decide to do uh the rest of this year and next year uh we hope there's more music coming yeah we'll be looking for that new record for yeah, sure looking for that new record you you, well, can, you can send that to info that at southernvanguard.com it obviously means a lot that people are looking for new records i mean that alone is kind of incentive so thank you yeah absolutely great definitely all right so hold tight for a second we're gonna wrap this up mr meeks hey man hey this is Really, really good. Yeah, real good, man. Really Wednesday fun. night. 
It's popping. I kind of like this, man. Maybe we need to switch it to Wednesdays. I told you we need a, a we need another. A, we need an extra night during the week to, to hook up, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether we doing something like this or yeah, we, we do. We we work. We working. Whatever. We you do know. absolutely. Yeah. All right. Southern Vanguard Radio, iTunes Podcast, mm-hmm. SoundCloud, Mixcloud, Stitcher Radio, uh, ATLHipHop.com, yep. WRBB, Soul Public Radio. What else am I missing? I'm Classic Hip Hop, yeah, Raw, Raw Radio. Radio. Yeah. Uh, we're in a lot of places. We drop twice a week. No doubt. New joints on Tuesdays. Interview sessions on Thursdays. Twice a week. Twice a week. And please check us out at southernvanguard.com. That's right. Leave out Leave the, U. the U out. You got it. DJ yep. John Doe. Cappuccino Meeks. We're out. Peace. Peace. Peace.